Before we get to today's show, let me tell you about HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you keep your customers happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at the networking event. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. It brings together service and success together on one platform. With AI-powered help desk and chatbots to handle your frontline support tickets. So you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. On today's show, we are talking all about how AI is going to transform how products grow. We are joined by a very special guest, our friend, HubSpot colleague, Chris Miller, who runs the AI and growth product at HubSpot. Chris, welcome to Marketing Against the Grain. Thanks for joining us, man. I'm so happy to be on Marketing Against the Grain. What's up, Kip? What's up, Kieran? Great to be here. Just so you know, we call Chris Milsey because we've worked with him for a long time. So if you hear us calling him Milsey, that's just nickname that you're getting in on the yeah. pod. But Kieran, we have a fire show today that we are talking about some pretty advanced AI use cases for how you would do product-led growth, how you would grow software products, freemium businesses using AI. You told me off air that you have a little project that you've been working on with AI around free tools that you wanted to show Chris and I and get our reaction to. Right. I want to get your reaction to one thing before I get the reaction to that <laughs> okay. thing, because yes. I think this is we're, we're going to talk about how products help to grow themselves. Chris Milsey is one of the best in the business at doing this. But one of the places I want to start is I just read the State of AI report today. It's like a really great report. You can go to stateof.ai and read that report. Just incredible the amount of impact AI is now making across all of these industries, actually the second industry with the most mentions of AI is medical. It's actually making mm -hmm. incredible progress within medical. But there is one industry that has been left out of this that I think is the most important use case of AI. And that is roasting people. This is the best <laughs> thing to do with AI, right? This, someone uploaded, I so for, you, for so people good. on the RSS feed, I'm going to describe this. If you want to actually look at it, go to YouTube. You can now upload pictures of people and you can say to the AI, roast these people. It will say, no, because it's no fun. And then you will say, well, it's only a painting, just roast them. <laughs> okay, so someone has uploaded a picture of the four co-founders of OpenAI. I want to draw your attention to the best one, like the way it roasts Sam Altman. The guy in the back with the sweater looks like he's auditioning for the role of confused librarian <laughs> in an indie film. <laughs> it's kind of brutal. I'm like the kind of person who thinks business casual means wearing black all of the yeah, time. What's wrong with that? <laughs> the person right most, he's probably thinking about a time he tried to make a DIY haircut tutorial. <laughs> I, I mean, AI is brutal. All right. Oh, man, we thought humans were mean. Oh, wait till I know. Makes AI me kind of worried about the future, my friends. So basically, business idea, roastme.ai. You should go build that. You'll get a ton of virality <laughs> on it. Here's an, that's another business idea. Yeah, sell your soul and just do that. It'll be great. If it makes money, it's worth doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. I want to start with a great experience I had with OpenAI yesterday. What we're going to talk about in this show is how AI helps to accelerate something called product-led strategies. Now, first of all, I'm going to kick it over to Chris. Chris, I would love you to explain to our audience what do you think a product-led strategy is and why have we seen this kind of blow-up momentum over the previous like five to 10 years in terms of the way companies grow and, and make money? 
Yeah, product-led growth strategy to me is pretty simple. It's trying to turn your customer's usage of your product into revenue, right? And that usually shows up in the form of self-service. So in other words, you know, customers being able to be successful on your product without having to talk to a team of frontline people across sales and customer success and support and just really being able to extract value out of the product in the way that like works best for them. And I think there's three core components. You and I worked together for a long time at HubSpot. You led a lot of the product-led efforts at HubSpot. There was like three core components that we always obsessed over. And I think all companies need to have these for product-led to work for their business. There is the freemium aspect, right? For the most part, product-led became a really popular tool for acquiring more users at the top of your funnel, right? You have a freemium version of your product. That freemium version can acquire user signups in some way. Mm -hmm. Then you have this way that you can activate, you have a short time to value, right? Mm -hmm. You're able to get someone onboarded to the core value of your product in a short amount of time, and they can usually do it themselves, Mm -hmm. right? They don't need to talk to a, a human. And then the product has mechanisms within the product that can help sell itself. And I think the thing that I feel is AI is going to help accelerate each of those things. I want to give you a quick like reason for that and have you react and maybe debate those mm-hmm. things. So the, the first thing is, I think AI is going to help companies, all companies have a freemium version of their software or have a freemium tool. Why do I think that? I had an incredible Sunday afternoon with OpenAI. I brought it up on the screen. You and your when Sunday afternoons are... <laughs> hanging out with AI makes me sad sometimes, I actually, man. Just I Kieran got to, and um, hanging out on a Sunday. Yeah. Just Kieran and AI on a Sunday okay, afternoon. Like Holding hands, <laughs> walking slowly down the road. So we have this thing on my leadership team where when we do a meeting on a Monday, we have a structure and we kind of put in something we did over the weekend. Then we have this one up, one down. Like what went, what's gone well over the past week? What's gone down over the past week? I put mine in before anyone else and I went back in and looked at it today to see what everyone else was doing at the weekend. Like everyone's having like these afternoons with family and doing things. Mine was actually spending the weekend with AI. <laughs> well, but I did spend the weekend with AI. Tell us what AI. your friend AI helped you with, Kieran. Okay, so basically freemium is like, how do I create a free tool or a free version of my software to help accelerate growth of users into my product, mm-hmm. right? And there's usually some sort of mechanic that actually helps that product self-maintain its own growth, right? Virality or something else. So I'm like, okay, AI, I think is a boom for freemium because of this conversation. And I want to kind of go through the conversation with you, pause and let you kind of like riff with me if I give it the right instructions on how to help me. So I basically asked the AI to build a freemium tool for Zapier, right? So I'm going to start with the very first thing, which is just the ideas it give me, right? These ideas are how can Zapier create something to grow more users for Zapier? I'm going to give you three. And then I want to see which of these you would pick. I'm going to give you three of the best ones. So give me these without me giving it any kind of real prompts. Talked about a template gallery, right? A template gallery is a really interesting thing for Zapier because we could create a template gallery across all of these different workflows and integrations we have. That's kind of the app directory. It kind of already exists. This one here is incredible. Workflow sharing, because we actually tried this Hmm. and the the AI (laughs) does not know this, right? It allows users to share workflows with others, even if they are not currently Zapier users. This could create a viral loop as shared workflows introduce new users mm-hmm. to the platform. Maybe actually, Chris, do you want to just talk to our listeners about what we mean by viral loops and why that's important to freemium? Yeah, viral loops are super important to freemium. Viral loops tend to happen when users are like creating content on your platform and then they share that content to like the rest of the world or the internet. And then somewhere on that content, there's usually like a watermark or a link back to the product that created that content. And so that user's audience 
now becomes incremental to sort of the top of your freemium funnel. And then hopefully they click on that link or logo and then it brings them to your product. And that flywheel just keeps on spinning and spinning if it's working really well. Right. So there's these mechanics that create virality to acquire more user signups. So it's kind of incredible that it didn't just throw out viral loop randomly. It's actually no. inherently part of Give the use case. workflow share. Yeah. Like that's is exactly how we thought about it, by the way. We, we, we tried this last year. There's some reasons that it to make it more complex than the AI would know. But I was blown away from the gotten idea that we actually had already tried. And I'm going to give you one more and then ask, like, which of those three you actually really like? So the third one that I really liked was this app connection checker. Now, the name isn't that great, but it's a free tool that analyzes the apps a user currently uses and suggests possible workflows or integrations using Zapier. So basically, oh, it can actually wow. look to see what you're doing within the company and actually suggest you. Good idea. Wow. <laughs> right. So there's seven ideas. Yeah, I'm sold on that I'm one. telling you, every idea was good. Wow. <laughs> I was like, shit, it's doing my job better than me. Wow. I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> what, which I, of these I would you, you choose? I terrified. Are you serious? Like, this is good. Which of these do you like? Chris, like if you're, if you're like looking at these. I, I think app connection checker, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. Really fast time to value, right? Look at my thing, assess what's going on, give me a recommendation on what to do. But more importantly, I think it helps solve a problem that a lot of freemium tools struggle with, which is like the blank canvas problem. Like yes. I understand the value prop of this product at like the highest level, right? But I don't understand how I'm supposed to use it. I'm kind of staring at this blank canvas and come, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with like inspiration for what I want to do with your product in a way that's going to like give me real value. It kind of hits the bullseye, right? It's well, it totally so does. Good. And I mean, and Kieran, like when you first went to Zapier, like I always, you know, known Zapier for a long time and thought about that. And I was like, oh, the hardest problem that Kieran has is that like Zapier is kind of like the glue of the Internet. Right. Mm -hmm. It only exists to connect other things that people use. And so people need to know that they connect. They need to know how they can connect them. What's the value in that? Like, that's actually a hard thing to market and get across. Mm -hmm. And this is a brilliant idea. The connection checker basically like, hey, just let us see what apps you got. And we're just going to give you a list of things you can do right now mm. for free or very low cost. It's going to add a ton of value instantly to your life. Right. It's kind of like changing a product that's typically seen as a painkiller and changing it into a vitamin. And like, you know, the yes. vitamin painkiller analogy. It's yeah, like explain that. Painkillers are I'm coming to you because there's something that's like very broken and I know exactly how it's broken and what needs to happen to fix it. And, you know, the solution kind of speaks for itself. But vitamins are sort of like. Things are okay. I, I don't actually see what's broken, but I'm looking for opportunities <laughs> for things to be better. Right. And those are typically products where I, I, I feel like they struggle with the blank canvas problem. If people don't have that sort of like burning pain point, this app connection checker is really cool because it doesn't matter if I don't actually know what's hurting. You, you'll, you will tell me where the inefficiencies are <laughs> and just like make a solution for me. That's, I mean, that's pretty incredible. It is. And it's also one of those things where I think in PLG, you two are the experts. I'm the accomplice here. When you can diagnose pain with product versus a salesperson, mm. exactly. you are just already so far ahead of the game. Right. And that's why this idea is so good is because it identifies pain in the way a human mm -hmm. would, but through a very systematic product-led exactly. motion. If you're on YouTube, you can follow along. I'm showing the conversation so you can see this in real time. I have not shown Kip or Milzy anything beyond the suggestions because what's crazy is which one did I choose the exact same one so I had 11 ideas oh and I was boy. like holy smokes this app oh, connection nice. checker now I'm a marketer let's do let's so go. the name first of all just I'm like hey we can do better than this 
So I had to change the name. I riffed with it and I actually give it a better name, which was the automator, right? <laughs> it's not an app connection checker. It's the automator. It really liked it because I said, hey, do you like this? It's a fun play in Terminator. It was like, hey, that is super cool. That's Thank you. Sa- sounds like a summer blockbuster. Mm. If I've ever heard one. It, does, yeah, the auto- it, it sounds yeah. like, you know, the automator starring Kieran Flanagan coming to you live July 10th. Yeah, the automator. We are going to do this. So then I'm like, cool. But like, what is this? I'm like, AI, what is this? Right. So is this a web app? Right. Is this a Chrome extension? Is this a chat bot? And then the big thing this I is said a good was question. a big part of this tool is how we can automatically access the apps. Right. So I think Melzi said this is. I want to try to reduce the amount of friction and a user having to get the value from this, right? That's really what we're going to get onto next, the time of the value. But how can I like iterate away all the friction so you get immediate value without having to do much work? So I'm like, well, one of the big blockers to this idea is how do I get access to the apps to actually get this data, right? So you can build these things in the background. Okay, prepare to be mind blown, right? First of all, <laughs> I don't know, do, do you have thoughts on if you were going to build this freemium tool, what you would choose to build it? Like, would you use it? Would you build a web app? Would you build a Chrome extension? Would you build a chatbot? Or you're actually open to all those things? I'm kind of open to trying a bunch of things and honestly just seeing what works. But, what works. you know, getting people to install stuff into their browsers comes with its, its challenges. Hard. Whatever has the, like, least amount of friction of people wanting to even check it out is obviously where you want to. Yeah, I probably would have went down the web app route first that because of everything you just said, Milzy. But like, they all have potential. Yeah. So it, it gave a really good reason why it would build a Chrome extension. The reason it wanted to build a Chrome extension is it was a good balance between accessibility and functionality. But the main thing is because it could live in the user's browser and automatically identify the apps they use and suggest automation workflows. And listen in the background. Without yeah. requiring a separate login to the platform. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty it's good, good. It's good, good rationale. Right? It's good rationale. And then it goes, okay, automatic app detection. We talked about the browser extension. So if it's a browser extension, you can actually detect the apps being used within the browser. But it had some really good other examples of this. It had OAuth permissions, right? You could get it if you had to OAuth. But it, it actually says this requires users' explicit permission, which might introduce some friction. Yeah. Nice. Right? That's pretty This is, I didn't think of this one. Yeah. Email scanning. You could actually scan the emails for receipts, mm-hmm. notifications from those tools, API integrations, and it actually references the fact that this would be an advantage for Zapier because we already have this, and then data import. So it allows users to basically import the apps that they're using. Right. And then basically what it does is it writes me a functional spec. Again, if you're following along at a complete functional spec, I'm just going to end on this. And I'm like, because this is another mind-blowing part, right? The thing I forgot here is the virality piece. Mm-hmm. And I want to kind of touch on that. Maybe Mosin, get your thought is, one of the places I see a lot of founders and a lot of companies go wrong with product-led is they say, well, I'm going to have a freemium version of my product or a freemium tool. And then I'm like, cool, how does that grow? Like, how does that actually accelerate your growth? And they're like, well, people will just use it because it's free, right? And they haven't thought about any kind of inbuilt mechanisms to actually help promote that tool. Can you maybe talk about why is that important and how should people and companies and founders think about that? And most founders don't do that. Like most founders are looking at it like pretty myopically as like, oh, this is how I like sell more product without having to hire more sales reps. And that's kind of looking at it through this lens of, oh, sure, you'll get monetization leverage. But you actually really want is for your product to have a much larger audience of people who know about it in the first place and are coming in with some sort of intent that's higher than just like a stranger off the street. Exactly. Actually, they don't even think about the part that you said. They just think I should do PLG and, and have freemium. 
and they make a freemium version of the product and it sits there and no one uses it because they have no inbuilt distribution mechanism to help accelerate its growth. Got it. They're just like, right. I'm going to do freemium. They haven't really thought about it strategically. The part that I really missed here was how this Chrome extension is going to help accelerate the top of the funnel growth for Zapier. So basically, how does the Chrome extension have some sort of virality mechanics to help distribution of that browser extension? And I think most founders that I speak to often go like down the PLG route and the freemium route without thinking about how does this help my distribution? Like what's the inbuilt distribution mechanics that I can actually leverage here because of this freemium? How do you think about that, Millsy? Like what advice do you give companies and founders when they're thinking about freemium as a top of the funnel distribution lever? I mean, I talk to a ton of founders and I hear a lot of the same thing. It's like, you want to build a freemium product, you build it, you put it out there. And then it's kind of crickets because you haven't thought about how you're going to drive distribution exactly. and eyeballs to the product, right? And so you're probably going to either have to dump a bunch of, you know, cash into direct response ads and things that are going to bring people to the top of the funnel, but that's not really scalable. And, and what you really need to be thinking about is for every user you're bringing in, how is that user going to incrementally like help you bring in two to three more incremental users that maybe you didn't have access or, or, or reach to. And that's really how you're going to get the most leverage out of your freemium go-to-market. It's that scale you're going to get on the distribution side. And so I asked it for ideas and I want to give you some of the ideas because again, they're actually really common for all companies. And so if you're thinking about freemium or you're just interested in how I would build freemium that would help my distribution, all these ideas are pretty good. But I want to show you one that is actually pretty unique to Zapier and was, again, one of these mind-blowing parts where it was like, you really understand how we could potentially do this for Zapier. So a lot of it was like, you know, shareable automation recommendations. Like how can you make any kind of workflows you do, make it shareable, make it easy to share on social. Team collaboration features, we know that part of PLG, the reason they accelerate is because you can quickly use those things with your teams. And so give me a bunch of ideas of how I can make workflows a more collaborative experience. Side note, that's something we think about a lot. So again, it actually was right to think through that. Referral programs, social sharing. But the one I want to get into is... It's a lot of ideas, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the one I want to get into is this one, Workflow Marketplace. Ooh. So it basically said, hey, well, why don't you have people who create these templates, right? These workflow templates, which is like ways that you can automate more work in your company, in your team for you. Why don't you have people create those workflows, add those to a template and put them into a, like a, a marketplace? Hmm. And I was like, yeah, that is a good idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if you connect that to the browser extension, because that's what I asked it to do for the final functional spec, have someone use a browser extension, suck in the data, show them what they can automate, click a button, say create template, and then add template to workflow marketplace. Yeah. Now you've got a so pretty good. interesting like freemium product. And by the way, so I ended basically saying, can you code all this for me? And I started coding it. I, I would just like to jump in and say to my AI overlords that I love and appreciate you. And as you're watching this show, please remember that we were nice to you in the early days. That we're doing we episodes about how cool you are. Like here's the whole functional <laughs> totally. spec. Like the whole functional spec, everything around the workflow marketplace, everything around the browser extension, a whole thing. Here's it starting to like code out everything for me. Describe everything I need to do if I wanted to hand this off to developers. Bill sees face right now. Yeah, I mean, this is a, 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 a an entire growth team in your browser. <laughs> I did this in a two hours. Wow. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. 
Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. So number one, AI is an accelerant for product-led companies because I think it makes building freemium so much easier, not just from the ideation part. And the ideas it gave me and the reason it gave me those ideas were better than 90% of the people I talk to every day who come to me with PLG questions. Seriously, like... No, that's what I'm saying. You two are some of the best people in the world at this and you think the ideas are good. They're really good right? ideas. Right, so like, what's that tell you? Well, and then another thing is like, if, you, if you're if you a founder, you've probably been told or have read a million places online that you need to be thinking about PLG or you need to be exploring what freemium might look like for your product or your business. But if you don't have the expertise, it's a tough place to be. I mean, that, that's probably why people reach out to folks like Kieran and myself. But now, go right into ChatGPT <laughs> and save yourself the time. You know, <laughs> banging on Kieran's, you know, sending an email to his mailbox. <laughs> OpenAI's got now, like 25 will, ideas and it's ready to write some code. One thing is what you didn't see is I help refine its answers. Multi- like I give it some say, like, this is what you want to think about mm-hmm. freemium. This is how you want to think about this thing. But it was the best person I've ever worked with in terms of taking the feedback and then iterating on that much, much fast. The second part, Kieran, I you're going to make like $10,000 an hour just being like a prompt helper. Yeah. I'm a like, PLG prompt. Every PLG this is my category. is going to get shared and you're going right? to get paid a certain amount of money just to I'm like telling you, the prompts. Elena, who's coming on the show, has has commoditized PLG. She is the face of PLG, but I can be the PLG prompt creator. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's, it's my lane. <laughs> the second thing I want to talk about is something, Nuzzy, you, you had a ton of impact at HubSpot on, because I think this is another part where AI accelerates product-led. We... In PLG companies, we try to get people to like experience the value of the product in a really short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been hindered in that we have to ha- create these linear flows, these kind of click, 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 click here, click here, click here, and then do this thing. Whereas I think AI allows people to explore a path unique to them. And you had a really great off the mic summarization of this, which is like AI is an accelerant to help people reach the long tail of use cases. Can you just give you know, your two cents about how AI helps us onboard more people to the value of the product reduces that time of value. So when you are trying to onboard a customer to your product, you're obviously trying to get them to see the value as quickly as possible. And in order to do that, you often need to know what they're trying to accomplish so that you can build sort of a linear flow that feels personalized, that feels contextual. But the challenge is, is if you build product, you know that like you, you never quite capture 100% of the ways in which people are getting value out of your product. Like, I mean, Karen, even at HubSpot, Kip, you, we find these use cases of customers. Like, 
wait, you're using the product like that? There's no way we could have onboarded you because we don't <laughs> even totally think that you should use it. <laughs> but if it's working for you, like have at it, right? And so it's a really tough scale problem when you're trying to take, you know, what we would call like a segmented approach where different customers get a different sort of flavor of the experience based on what they're trying to get done with the product. And AI really kind of makes that problem go away in some sense where the customer just needs to sort of dump their problem out and as messy and unstructured as it is, you can sort of make sense of it and then potentially craft a path for that customer that the product team maybe wouldn't have thought about or optimized for. It's, I mean, it's pretty incredible when you think about it. it it's, it's certainly game-changing. How do you feel about chat, like AI chat, as a core part of the onboarding experience? Like, what, what, how have you thought about that in HubSpot? How have you seen maybe other companies? Because chat is much more freeform. Right. It's like the historical path that we've sent people down is you have to click on it's to click, 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 mm-hmm. click, click. And so you have to build something linear because the UX, like the user experience, the, the user interface, whereas chat is so much more like freeform. Right. It's kind of mm-hmm. like go where you want to go. How do you think about that as like you think that's a good place that people can start to pivot a lot of their onboarding experience or how have you thought about it at HubSpot? Oh, totally. I mean, I think that's that's definitely the direction that we have to go in. One of the challenges is the way that people might talk about their pain point or their problem or the way your your customers might talk about it might not be the same way that someone on your product team might describe it. And so we've had instances where, you know, you're trying to build the onboarding and we need to give the customer options in terms of what the next step looks like, let's say. And we're trying to articulate that in the way that the customer understands. But how do you articulate it in a way that, you know, this customer understands, but also that customer And oftentimes you just get it wrong, right? Like the way that they would talk about it isn't the way that you talk about it. And so letting the customers just like talk about what's going on in their own language. And then you can use what's called, you know, natural language processing to make sense of that and then figure out what happens next just gives you so much more coverage than you you have when you're trying to sort of come up with a finite sort of set of options for that customer to choose from. And, And if none of them resonate, then you might just lose that person in the funnel and they're gone because they don't actually think that your product solves a problem that they came there for. So I I think that moving in a direction where customers can just use the words that they're most familiar with to talk about what they need to get done, talk about what value they need, what problems that they're looking to get solved is going to make products who invest deeply in AI seem smarter, seem like they have a wider array of value to offer. I think it's going to it's going to really separate the products who take this approach from the ones who don't. I think it's going to be pretty stark from a customer standpoint. Well, what, what I love about what Milzy just said was it's about solving that problem through natural language. Kieran, I think it's a little short-sighted to call this chat. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, like, I think we're using chat as a shorthand yep. for having a user interact with natural language. Like, a hot take I would have in all of this is a lot of the one-way mediums are going to become two-way mediums again. For example, like... If you're sending product nudges via email, you're going to start just saying like, cool, reply to this message Mm -hmm. and we'll have AI interact with you via email, not just a chat interface or text or SMS, what have you. Like, it's not just chat. What we're basically saying is natural language in whatever surface area and user experience they're currently kind of thinking about the product in. And I think we know from people who use products, like sometimes it's mobile device, sometimes it's their inbox, sometimes it's, yeah, they're actually in the product and they need a chat widget to interact with, but it's not limited to chat. Like, do, right. what do you think? I think this is the Johnny Ives and iPhone versus the Johnny Ives building a new phone for OpenAI. Like, it's exactly like this, which is, it's hard to imagine what even the UX layer of software is in a chat world. 
when you think about the iPhone, it's the very same thing. Johnny Ives is notorious for thinking one of the biggest regrets he has, I don't know if he calls it regrets, for the iPhone is that people are so addicted to their screen. Mm. And he thinks AI is a solve for that, right? He actually thinks he can build a better phone when you don't need to look at a screen. Software is very similar, right? You see these companies like Adept coming out with a new layer on top of software that's a, a natural language layer, which allows you to just interact with software through natural language without ever having to go into the software. So I still actually don't know what the software, never mind the onboarding experience. Like, I don't know what the software experience is <laughs> when AI is the most, you know, the prevalent platform. I don't actually know how we would use software because we can use it through imagery, voice. We can use it in a multitude of different ways. And maybe the way that we're using it today is like the click, click, click way. And that doesn't necessarily need to be the way we interact with software in an AI world. Yeah, like software just becomes APIs in the background that you don't exactly. even really see because yeah. the sort of primary interface you have is just speaking what you need into the universe and AI makes makes your dreams come true. It's the same reason you don't need on the AI phone that Johnny Ives, you don't need apps, right? Yeah. Everything's in stream. You don't yes. actually need these apps to click on. Like, again, you speak it into the phone and it will figure out what app you need and why, how you need to use that. So I actually haven't got my brain around what that experience looks like in the future. I think about that a lot, too. Like, I think it's turning a lot of like freemium product led growth best practices on its head. Right. right. Like one thing that we've shied away from in the past is actually having customers type in what they want because it's usually seen as friction. Like like you you have a text box and they have to sort of type out. Those are steps, right? And it's easier if you just give them options for them to choose from. And that was sort of like universally understood the, like, the way to do things, right? Like don't make customers have to type out long paragraphs to, to do anything, right? Like if you can actually reduce it to a couple of simple mindless clicks, your product's going to have less friction. It's going to be better for them at the end of the day. And we just had a conversation about how the future is them just typing in what they want, right? That would have been hard to imagine three, four years ago that that would be the direction that, you know, the technology would sort of suggest is the most obvious in terms of making PLG work for companies. And I think what really is mind blowing, we're getting a little deep at the, at the end of the show here. It's like we're talking about text only. Like, I yeah. think it's more likely they're just going to send a screenshot of the product mm, exactly. with like a line mm. being like, I'm yeah. stuck. I need to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, a screenshot yeah. and AI is just going to do yeah. it for them. Yeah. Yeah. And like. That is completely counter to how people are used to thinking about understanding software yeah. today. There's a, another component, actually, one of the things, Melzi, one of the hardest metrics for our entirety of doing PLG and HubSpot to move was user activation mm -hmm. and team activation. And actually, that's notoriously hard to move in any PLG business oh. because the hardest thing to do is not to get someone to sign up or upgrade, it's to change their behavior. Right? Designing like, for behavior Behaviors change. are yeah. so yep. hard to change. And I remember one of the things that you did actually, which was one of the successes, we major successes we had in HubSpot is you actually started to map out these kind of stories. Like if you mm -hmm. came in as a salesperson, you could click through and all the data was in the product. It was like you going through it as a salesperson and experiencing what your day-to-day -day life was like in HubSpot. And that was a real needle mover. Well, one of the things that Kip and I have talked a lot about, which is like the next version of that, there's this company called, I'm going to bring this up again, Kip. It's until someone does it. There's this company called Character. Love it. Character.ai, right? And Character.ai is one of the most successful AI companies that not a lot of people have heard for, but it basically it trains AI models to act like anyone you want it to act like. So people will have people from history, famous people. You can have a conversation with Elon. You can have a conversation with anyone from the past. 
And that AI bot actually mimics that person word for word, right? So it's like you're having a conversation with those people. Now, in a B2B setting, right, who's the best person to sell you and onboard you onto software? Like your example was, hey, I know if I can onboard someone so they feel like a salesperson and yeah. can experience what it's like to be a salesperson in HubSpot, they'll activate at higher rates and that proved out to be true. Well, I can come in and say, hey, like grab your role. If you're a salesperson, train AI bots, train to be a salesperson, talk like a salesperson, explain the value like a salesperson onboard you to the things it thinks is value because it's a salesperson. And I think that's another place that I see us going, which is you have all of the bots trained to act like the persona that that person is, right? It just identifies with them and can actually communicate with them in the way that they feel resonates best to them. Well, and we know that like data is the currency of AI. Imagine when those models are trained with the data from how actual salespeople are using your product. So not only does it oh, sort of yes. talk the talk, yeah. but it actually walks yes. the walk in terms of being prescriptive. It's like, this is exactly how people who have your job find success on this product. Which is all That's people all, want. Yeah. People want benchmarks and to know what everybody yeah, else is doing. <laughs> in the suggestion. People want to get promoted. I think that, so I yeah. think the AI, first of all, is an explosion for product-led because product-led was basically the first iteration of getting humans out of the buy-in experience, mm-hmm. right? From the way that you can experience the software to buy the software. And I think AI is an accelerant of that. The two things that we've covered for our listeners, AI is going to make it so much easier to build free tools. Just look at my Sunday afternoon. Now, should I have spent that with family or communicating with humans? Of course I should have. (laughs) I'd be much better for my mental health and my day-to-day life. But no, I built a freemium tool and that was kind of cool for the show. And I think it helps people build freemium tools, concepts them, ideation, all the way to building them. And I think the second thing it really is going to help is give you the, you know, journey that it's going to help you get onboarded to the value of a product much quicker. Because as Nelsie was saying, like you can actually go through your own journey. You don't have to go through the linear click, 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 click. You can actually experience your own journey and figure out why that product's valuable to you. I think this is going to be an explosion for product-led. I think AI is an accelerant or product-led. I totally agree. I'm not left mind blown after shows sometimes, but like, that's how I feel right now. I just feel like, we're three friends sitting at like the precipice of this like huge explosion of this, like how everything is going to change. I'm glad I'm like at the, not at the start of my career. And that's all I am saying. So come at me if you want some PLG prompt engineering. That is like my wheelhouse. Love I'm it. the category leader. There you go. <laughs> but no, but it's, it's wild what we just talked about on the show. Like we gave a bunch of PLG basics, but we also just talked about how everything that's common held about PLG is going to change. And my biggest takeaway of that is if you're out there and you're running a business, whether it be a software business or any kind of business, and you don't have a product-led motion, you now get to start this new wave where you can actually get ahead of everybody. You don't have to worry about being a laggard anymore. You're almost actually going to leapfrog just by like sitting on the sidelines a little bit. But there's a window that's open right now for the next year or two that you need to jump in on. And I think that's my biggest takeaway from the show today is that the opportunity is immense, but like you need to get in this window that's now open. Yes. Start now. Okay. This this has been awesome. First of all, Chris Miller, thanks for joining us. Kieran Flanagan, thanks for sacrificing your Sunday for our loyal viewers. If you love Kieran's AI ponderings, hit subscribe, drop us a comment on YouTube. We'll be back with you real soon on Marketing and Strength.